Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose is focused on educating, empowering, and investing in women to support them with harnessing an entrepreneurial mindset to create the change in the world for the greater good. Through this series, we connect with women from all across New Zealand to inspire, teach, and share their pearls of wisdom through storytelling and sharing. I'm Catherine Vandermeulen, the founder of Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose. Welcome back to Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose. This morning, we are joined by Louise Aitken, the Chief Executive of Akina Foundation. Good morning. Uh, Good morning, Catherine. Nice to join you. Lovely to have you here. So can you tell us who is Louise Aitken? Uh, yeah, great question. Um, let me uh, start with my mihi. Um, Kotio, Mairangi, Tokuturanga, Waiwai, Ko McDonald, Te Iwi, Ko Aiken, Te Hapu, Nokuniki Aho, Ki Akina Foundation, Ahimahiana, Ko Louise Takamua. My name is Louise Aiken. I um, am my Tūranga Waiwai. My place to stand is the hills, the Tinakori Hills uh, here in Wellington, um, where my family have been based since 1951. Um, I descend from the McDonald clan in Scotland, uh, and Aiken is my family, uh, my very small um, but loud, um, obnoxious, funny family, um, and I live here in Wellington, um, and I'm the chief executive of Akina. Um, yeah, so that's kind of who I am, what brings me to this place. Wow, that was impressive. I have no idea for most of it what you were saying. I picked up a few words, but that was seriously impressive. Thank you. Um, so tell me about your original call to adventure to starting at Akina. Yeah, it's crazy um, journey. I think we've all probably got some um, some stories about how the path kind of leads us to, to purpose, certainly. And um, I was uh, 12 years at Fonterra. Um, I had an extraordinary um, career with them um, here in New Zealand and in the United States, uh, returning um, when I had my um, now eight-year-old uh, back to Auckland. And um, I was selling stuff. That was my job. I, I sold um, a huge amount of, of milk and protein. Uh, and then with um, some changes, wanted to stay in New Zealand, obviously not travel so much. I started being involved in corporate social responsibility. I ran uh, the Fonterra Milk for Schools and Kickstart Breakfast. And uh, it was probably Kickstart Breakfast that absolutely changed the, um, the direction of my, uh, my career. Um, I got to see um, what good practice, what, uh, what you know, community involvement, what um, value could be generated by supporting uh, you know, organisations outside of, of the corporate structure. And um, we delivered um, a massive amount of breakfast and uh, it cost about, um, you know, sort of up, around about 50 cents per, um, per breakfast and it fundamentally changed kids' lives. I met a 15-year-old who had said to me that he um, was really excited because he got his NCEA Level 1 exam timetable and his science exam was on a Wednesday. And he said... I know I'm going to pass my exam because that's our kickstart breakfast day and I'll be fed before the exam. And in that moment, um, I realised the power of of what could be done um, and then started to think about it bigger than just um, corporate social responsibility is that, you know, what about if we built businesses who had fundamental purpose at their core, that they were existing for 
um, social or environmental impact. And that led me towards Akina. Uh, and so made the big jump, um, not only to move home to Wellington um, and, and join Akina as the general manager, uh, but then to, um, to move into the CEO role um, you know, about or nearly three years ago now um, and, and help develop um, you know, impact within our economy and think about how we can really um, find the solutions within markets uh, for the social and the environmental challenges that we face. So uh, it's certainly been a journey and one that I am extremely privileged uh, to be part of. And why do you think it is so important for businesses to have a greater purpose and greater meaning than just generating profit? Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, I think I, I'm really excited that it's not just us in our little bubble um, who think this. We're starting to see this not only um, you know, in, in the economy here in New Zealand, but certainly the, the work that government has been doing for, for a very long time around valuing more than just profit. And then certainly within the wider global economy, this is, this is becoming um, you know, really mainstream, which is fantastic. And I think the reason for it is businesses need to exist uh, in a community, they need to exist within an environment in order to be sustainable. And that sustainability cannot just be focused on uh, the, the financial sustainability of an organization. It's got to be more than that. Um, it's got to be more than that to uh, attract consumers, to attract investment, to attract the right employees and retain them, and also to have the license to operate within the communities and the environment in which they serve. And that isn't now just those on the real, you know, edges of, of, of our economy. We, we started that, I don't know, probably 20, 30 years ago with organisations like The Body Shop and um, Trade Aid and these organisations who held sustainability absolutely at their core. But they're, they're mainstream businesses. Uh, and, you know, so now what we're seeing is more and more organisations recognising the value of it and starting to uncover what can they contribute. Um, and that's really exciting for us and in the, in the organisation that we work in, but also um, within the economy here in New Zealand. And I think COVID-19 has shown us uh, how important that is that organisations and businesses are contributing to our social and our environmental challenges. I love that you mentioned uh, being a license to operate because Becky Lloyd, the mm -hmm. CEO of Toitu yeah. in Biocare, who I'm sure you know, yeah. Uh, also said the same thing. It's not just going to be a nice thing to have. It is really going to be a necessity and something that will be at the core of every single business uh, for the future. So it's nice to hear that from you as well. So what have been um, some of the trials and tribulations that you've experienced on the road to working towards achieving your goals and also your impact with Arkina? Yeah, I think that um, it's a great question. Uh, you know, we we always go through um, you know journeys of you know as individuals, but also within an organisation. And what was um, you know probably the biggest challenge that I had when I joined Akina was I came from um, you know a corporate world. I came from um, an organisation that was yes, you know owned by farmers, but it was driven by um, you know by the returning profit back to those farmers. And, uh, you know, so I, I came into an organisation with some extraordinary people from, from very varied backgrounds. And I was like a fish out of water. <laughs> I felt that, uh, you know, it took me probably about a year 
to really understand what value I could contribute, um, what was the role um, of, of my voice and my perspective, and how could that work um, you know, in collaboration with all of these different viewpoints. Um, and that was the power of, of you know, working in a relatively small organization who, driven by, by purpose and impact, actually attracted some pretty phenomenal people. And it was about me recognizing that my opinion was different because I came from a different part of the economy, but that had power and had you know, the ability to really unlock different types of impact um, and but it was kind of getting past that you know that doubt getting past that voice in your head that was like oh I'm not like maybe I, you know maybe I'm not like some of the others or I can't um, reflect or, or understand what what you know their strengths were in a way that um, you know kind of um, was off, you know based off my experience so it was um, it was kind of figuring out um, over certainly over these four years is that um, you know what brought me here is actually a really powerful thing to contribute um, but you know certainly that voice in the head um, at times was pretty loud <laughs> um, and the imposter syndrome was uh, was something that I, I had to deal with um, you know um, quite a lot um, and still obviously continue to do it but um, the voice is certainly getting smaller which is good. And that probably worked to your advantage to not necessarily be like everyone else or to think like everyone else and to bring a different way of thinking but then apply it to an organisation that is focused purely on greater greater good for the world. Yeah, and, you know, timing was was pretty great because I think that, um, you know, the, the corporate side of our economy um, was also going through that change at the time um, where, you know, five five years ago, um, you know, the big focus always was on corporate social responsibility. You know, bigger organizations did their good in a part of their business, not across the whole business. Um, and now we've seen that shift with organizations recognizing that the way they decide and do business right across their organization is as important, if not more important, than the work they do within a, a corporate social responsibility um, you know, unit. Um, and and can can often deliver much more impact um, as we think of things like social procurement, you know, the stuff that businesses are buying, um, uh, you know, is a fundamental part of their ability to succeed. So how can that spend actually contribute positively socially and environmentally? Um, how can uh, environmental measures and improving those measures actually be something that the entire organisation recognises as as fundamental to the way they make decisions. And, and that's, you know, for me, coming with that understanding of how um, businesses uh, work, um, was able, I was able to reflect that um, and have those discussions with my, my colleagues who came more from, um, you know, an impact lens or more from a community development lens. Um, and so we, you know, we, we certainly um, had some great debates and discussions and, and came up with, some really good models to help support organisations as they, as they, you know, figure out what impact they can have. And I think those great debates are so wonderful to have and obviously doing it in a way that is diplomatic. Um, but, you know, to be able to have a voice and to be able to go, well, actually, I don't think that and I'm going to put my ideas forward and not just uh, stepping back or sitting back, I guess. Um, and I think being able to have that confidence 
and to also lead if something doesn't feel right or something doesn't sit right. Yeah, I totally agree. So I, I wanted to. Yeah, totally agree. So, sorry, no, you go. <laughs> no, I was just. I, you um, know, I've gone on wanted... a. I've gone on a journey of really unlocking kind of what is what is my purpose, what are my values, um, and confidence and optimism <laughs> have been have been identified. I've identified as you know core values that that I bring, um, but it's also recognizing and supporting others to also have that confidence and optimism because that, that power of, um, you know, of collective approach is, is really vital and, and certainly in the organisation that I work in, um, absolutely essential for our success. So what does the word purpose mean to you? Yeah, you know, it, it's as simple as, you know, waking up and knowing that what I'm doing makes a difference. Um, you know, I, I come from... Um, uh, a, a, a relatively small family of, of, of immigrants to New Zealand and we've been pretty lucky um, in, in landing in this place um, and as a um, you know um, I've got I was the first and well me and my twin sister were the first in our family to go to university we were we were really privileged um, with a great upbringing um, and, and particularly um, my mother who was um, the, the major breadwinner who was um, you know, running businesses. And what was great in that is that we got to see how much you can contribute um, and, and what it means to not only our family unit, but also um, the, the society in which we operate in. And, and mum certainly filled that in us. Um, and so what I wanted to be able to do, and particularly I've been really privileged to be able to do this at Akina, is recognise that the work we do is changing um, for the for the better um, the society in which we operate. And so how can we support these extraordinary organisations um, that we work alongside with and for them to be able to scale and grow the impact that they, that they have um, and also contribute to helping find solutions for these significant issues that we face as a society and an environment. And you know, to know that I can do that every day and help others um, particularly the team that I have to also contribute to that is hugely empowering and, um, and enables me to, um, you know, most of the time jump out of bed and, 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 and get into it, uh, which is, is, you know, I know that I'm very, very lucky um, to, to be in this position. I love that you have used the word contribution a few times when you're talking about purpose because it's been something that there's been a consistent thread coming up through the podcast series that we have been uh, recording and I think it's just a wonderful and very succinct word because I think a lot of people get lost in the word of purpose because if I put you on the if I put you on the spot and say what is your purpose and I do that to a lot of people and they go oh I don't know I haven't really figured it out yet da, 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 da. but if I go what is your contribution it's a much easier thing to describe or something more succinct to share do you feel that yeah, and, and you know, certainly in the role that I have is, um, you know, I'm I'm one of you know 20 people in an organisation, and my role as the leader of the organisation is to enable them to contribute uh, and to be able to provide the best that they can provide, not only within the organisation with each other, uh, but also in the work that we do uh, with you know, organisations, whether they be social enterprises, whether they be charities, whether they be corporate, government, whatever it might be. And uh, you know, it, it is about us aligning and figuring out that we are all contributing to a greater purpose, but we all bring 
different skills and strengths and, and, and perspectives that must be supported. And it's not, you know, necessarily the voice of one to lead it. It's the voice and the strength of many. And, um, you know, that's exciting for us as a relatively small organisation who can be, you know, agile and, and be able to respond really quickly to that. But I also think that in many larger organisations that's, that's also starting to be recognised and valued um, is how do you empower and give agency to people to be able to deliver to their purpose in a work context. Um, and, you know, the more that we can support that, the better. Um, because fundamentally we need a, uh, you know, we need an economy that's built on purpose and that purpose needs to be recognising the, you know, the society and the environment in which it operates. So for you to be the best version of yourself and showing up every day for your 20-something um, team to go on this journey of purpose and impact, are there any daily rituals or, or that go into your routine that make you the best version of yourself? Yeah, you know, I think over time and certainly working in, you know, high pressure environments, you often forget that, you know, there is a, a well-being aspect to it. Um, and, you know, I've, I've figured that out um, over the years that, you know, I need to have time not working. Um, I need my, um, my fitness and my health to be really strong. Um, and I drag myself out of bed. Um, you know, um, three times a week at ridiculous hours in the morning to to go to a boot camp, and thankfully I've um, it's still continued during during lockdown. Um, you know, sad for um, for the rest of the family when I'm jumping up in the lounge um, doing stuff um, at six o'clock in the morning. But it's a really really important part of of my well being is to feel strong and and to feel that I am you know able to continue. Um, and also being a parent, it's a really important thing for, for me to demonstrate that you don't have to pull big hours. You know, you just have to work smartly. Um, and you also need to make sure that you're recognising that you're more than just work. Um, and that certainly was a journey for me, <laughs> you know, particularly early on in my career where, you know, my fundamental um, um, the description of me often was what I did um, rather than who I was. Mm. And so be, being able to see work as um, an, an important part of who I am, but not the entirety. Um, and, you know, that, that's something that, um, you know, now um, later on, <laughs> you know, sort of in the middle of my career um, is a really important um, part of, of, you know, how I, how I try to approach, um, you know, how I work and, and what, how work is part of my life, but not all of my life. You mentioned before, you know, the desire and the need that you have for time not working. I'm in the middle of a 21-day meditation online with Deepak and Oprah, and day 13 talks about how we break up the time in our day, our work time, our play time, our quiet time, our social time, our downtime our physical time, our sleep time. I added in there our kids' time because I thought they were all quite selfish and all internal things that we were doing. Um, you know, and I think it's really important that we do contribute time to every aspect of our life to really have a wonderful balance because I think we can show up better at work if we've had great sleep. I think we can show up better if we 
have enjoyed and had some quiet time on our own or done that physical exercise. Mm. So, you know, a lot of people feel it's quite selfish to take that time. And I think it's just an incredibly important part to build all of those things into our daily routine and into our daily life. Uh, and we all have work to do to get better at them. My focus this week is on playtime oh, <laughs> because I don't, I don't do enough of that. And particularly with my kids, because it becomes such a, a routine and got to get out and do this and we've got to pack lunches and da, 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 and we don't really then have that fun time to connect. Yeah. And I think, you know, being in, you know, in lockdown for, for eight weeks, um, you know, really showed us how you, you know, how you can do that. Um, and the importance even of, you know, leaving the house and going for a walk during the day to get yourself away from, from Zoom calls, you know, that was really powerful for so many people and, and certainly for, for our family it was. And you think, well, why don't we do that normally? <laughs> you know, why can't we bring this stuff into our life? And, and you know, what, what I, when I took over as, as CEO of Arkina, I, I, I wanted to really be authentic um, and vulnerable in my leadership and show that I was a person and that I struggled to get the balance right and that it was important for people particularly, you know, women that that worked uh, for me is that they could see that I was also trying to figure out how to make it work and that it was important that people recognise that you brought your whole self to work and sometimes what that might mean is that you actually need to step away and figure out or focus on something else for a little bit and and to have that trust and and agency with our, um, our people is really vital and my job, hopefully, is also to demonstrate that, you know, how important it is for me to do that, um, which I think has been a journey, um, particularly coming from a corporate career where vulnerability is maybe not necessarily um, uh, the norm um, to, to the degree it should be. Um, it has been, um, you know, something that I've um, I've certainly gone on a journey with and good old Brene Brown has shown me that. Um, but it has been something, you know, that I've really um, been proud of, of, of my journey into that and my acceptance and celebration of vulnerability and courage um, over, over the last couple of years. Beloved Brene Brown has come up so much in this podcast. I might just have to invite her to join us one day and share her, uh, share her thoughts on some of these things. So you mentioned before about having to take a number of different pivots during this time, formerly known as COVID-19. How did you use that time of change to create new opportunities? Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty crazy time. Um, not only did we have to make sure that our people were, you know, were were okay and, and their context, whatever was going on in their life, they were able to, to work and figure out how to make that, you know, um, how to bring work into home um, and do that relatively quickly. So that was the first focus. But then we really started to look at, gosh, this is a significant opportunity for us to shape the world that we believe we need and the economy that we both need and deserve. Um, one, uh, somebody told, told me that um, COVID didn't um, cause inequality, it just put a, a, um, you know, a light on it. And what we were able to do is say, and really step into that and think about how can our viewpoint, how can our experience, how can all the work that we've done over sort of 12 years as an organisation actually come to demonstrate to whether it's government, to corporate, you know, to those who have 
uh, philanthropic to have all those big levers, how can we help shape an impact economy? And by that, I mean, you know, a, a, an economy that's built on, around the idea that economic activity can create better well-being and environmental outcomes, whilst also promoting recovery and growth. It's really important that those are both seen as, as, you know, as important as it is, that we need economic growth and we need, obviously, at this time, significant recovery. But it also should result in better well-being and environmental outcomes, because if it doesn't, then that is, and I heard this um, quote yesterday, is that, you know, a crisis wasted is the biggest sin. You know, if we don't take this opportunity, mm. then shame on us. And I think the, the shame that I would have in front of my son's child um, when they ask me, what did I do? And, you know, what didn't we do? Hopefully that won't be what they ask, you know, around how we address climate change. How are we ensuring that we're addressing inequality um, and you know long-term prosperity for people? That's something that we've got this opportunity like never before. Um, you know, 20 trillion dollars is going to be invested globally into the economy by governments over, as a post-COVID uh, response. Shame on us if that 20 billion doesn't actually create a better world, not only for people but also for the planet. And I think that we, as a small organisation, with understanding of the how to do that, we have a responsibility to contribute those ideas. And that's been the most significant thing that's changed us as an organization as a result of COVID because it's given us absolutely crystal clear focus on how we need to support, you know, whether it's government, whether it's business, whether it's philanthropic or charities, um, how can we support the drive towards um, a better economy as a result of COVID. Your words, shame on us, really hits home, you know, when you think about, you know, your children's children and what you would be explaining to them if we didn't stand up, if we didn't create the change that we're needing to for their uh, futures. I want to just go back to the impact economy that you mentioned before. What are some of the things that small businesses or corporate organisations or, you know, NGOs or not-for-profits, charity trusts, whatever structure your organisation is, what could an impact economy or what could people do to be a part of that in impact economy, no matter what kind of organisation they are? Yeah, you know, and you can start relatively simply. You can start thinking about, okay, you know, what is the context in which you're operating uh, in the community where, where you may be um, or, or the community in which you're contributing a something to, a, a, you know, a good or a service, and particularly if you're trading? And thinking about how is it contributing positively to that community? How is it also contributing positively to the environment? And, and if you struggle to figure that out, then it might be an opportunity to think, well, how could we? What's the strength that we might have or a partnership that we might be able to develop or um, the purchasing of goods and services from organisations who do positive impact? I mean, all of those things are possible today and you don't need to reshape or restructure your organisation to be able to do it. You've just got to go on a journey to say, well, how are we positively contributing? And what I've heard so much um, from, from you know, this experience that we've all gone through is that particularly employees are asking different questions of their organizations. 
you know, those those organisations who have been privileged to maybe not be as significantly affected as others are saying, well, what's our job now in supporting those uh, those people or those uh, those other organisations who have been significantly affected? How can we think about offering access to um, you know, uh, people who are underrepresented in mainstream employment. How can we think about what our contribution is to the, the climate change action that we require? And that questions that can hopefully lead to action um, with the right support, with the right um, uh, you know connections. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean you change your business entirely right from the start you might just go on a journey to ask and answer some relatively simple questions to start with, which might lead you towards actually what are the things that you can do as an organization and the employees that you have and the support you give to those employees. How can we you know, contribute positively? Um, and big organizations are asking that question but also very small organizations and, you know, and organizations who are starting up as a result of COVID are thinking differently now, thinking, how, what's the solution I can contribute to the significant you know, economic crisis that we're facing, the significant you know, climate crisis that we're facing, and we have been facing, we just haven't done any action really, um, what are the things now that we must do? And that, that I would ask people to be bold and think about it, you know, think, you know, think bold. That's what we do as a country. So bring it into um, your response to how we recover from COVID um, could be a really, really powerful change that we see within our economy. I think you may have just summed up my final question to you, which was about what's your call for action from the Entrepreneur Women with Purpose community? Um, and, you know, you saying be bold would that really be your call for action from our community? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as our, as our Kina, we've gone on a uh, on a journey, and just just be right before COVID, we actually, um, you know, uh, looked at, at who we are as an organisation and and how we talk about ourselves. And um, and our Kina means to to challenge, to encourage, to urge forward. Uh, and we added a, a new strap line to our organisation, which is be bold. Akina Mai, Akina Atu, which is challenge yourself and challenge others. So why not embrace that? Um, what you know, what is the things that we think we can? What is possible? And therefore, absolutely step into it. And to be bold is, you know, that's what we all need right about now. And it's not just small organisations like us. It's the very large organisations, government, both central and local government, big corporates, those who are thinking. How do we contribute? Well, you can start by actually you know, being bold, take some risks, figure out who you can do it in partnership with and just go for it. So what would be one action from everything that you've just spoken about, about being bold, that organisations could take from this conversation back into their world to be bold? Don't be timid when it comes to the target or where you want to get to. You know, it's not, we, you know, to think that we can return to the economy that we had before is shameful because that economy did not create a society of strength. So what we need to do is we need to think about that and think what is the economy 
and the environment that we want to hand over to our children and grandchildren. And we need to be bold in figuring out what our contribution is to that. And it may be as simple as where am I spending my money? Where am I buying my goods and services from? What am I doing about measuring and improving my carbon footprint? What am I doing in enabling people who maybe aren't you know, who we are normally attracting to come and work for us? How can we actually be, be more inclusive? All of those things just need somebody to maybe ask a tough question internally in an organization, figuring out where you currently are and committing to taking a step forward. Um, and if we all do that, we may get somewhere closer <laughs> to where we need our economy to be um, because the economy that we had pre-COVID wasn't all that rosy um, for many, many people within Aotearoa New Zealand. I couldn't agree more. Lou, thank you so much for sharing your world and your hero's journey with the Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose community. Have a yeah, wonderful day. Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose is proudly sponsored by Hello World Travel, Jaguar, Rind and Dilma T with all of our profit contributed to UN Women Aotearoa New Zealand towards women's economic empowerment into the Pacific Islands. Mm -hmm.